From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to everyone checking us out on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And hi there to those streaming us live on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Incidentally, we're at 20,400 subscribers. Please hit the red sub button if you're new to the YouTube channel. And, of course, a special hello to those assembled in the YouTube live chat. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. If you enjoy The Conspiracy Show, you should check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the free Conspiracy Unlimited app is now available for Android and iOS devices available in the App Store and Google Play, Conspiracy Unlimited Plus members can now stream premium episodes from the app. So to subscribe, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. And again, the free Conspiracy Unlimited apps for both Android and iOS are available wherever you purchase your apps. Uh, Wes and Justin Falls stay with us this hour as we continue to delve into the occult and pagan origins of the United States. Belly of the Beast, Director's Cut, is a groundbreaking documentary film that presents the hidden history of the United States and its secret origins of the deep state that you've never seen or heard before, as well as decoding their present-day conspiracies and the future prophecies to come. The adventures include a mysterious Bible that's bound in the testes of the Washington Monument and where and why an underground obelisk awaits nearby. The entrance to a secret crypt in D.C. that's connected to the underworld. The origins of American Lucifer worship uh, worship linked to the deep state and for the first time ever revealed the U.S. government-owned location where the Antichrist will likely be resurrected on American soil. So before the, uh, the top of the hour, uh, I was asking you about the, the rise of the Antichrist. Is that ultimately the purpose of this Ritual and is, in your estimation, Osiris and Apollo, his equivalent, is he the Antichrist? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I believe without any doubt, because these men who have crafted these things in America, they fully believed in the hope of the Novus Ordo Seclorum. They believed in the ancient writings of Plato. They, they believed in the writings of so many others in time past that they were going to fulfill this Novus Ordo Seclorum. They really believe that America is going to be that beacon of light in Freemasonry, very much so. Now, you ask about, do we think this is going to be the Antichrist? Absolutely. It's one of those stories that lines up nearly verbatim with biblical prophecy. It's unbelievable, Richard. You start getting into the logistics of it all, and it literally falls right in line with Scripture. So when this whole ritual takes place, again, I want to, I want to just differentiate for one second between the ritual that happens at the inauguration and the ritual that's going to happen with the Antichrist, because there's a special chamber that's been created in D.C. Matter of fact, Tom Horn discovered this. It blew our minds. I was very skeptical about it at first. When, when he told me about this chamber, I was skeptical. But we went to D.C., we did homework, we read up, and we learned a lot. And the fact is, there is a chamber that was built for George Washington's body to lay in, but it really wasn't meant for his body to lay in. That's just what they said. He never laid there. 
And this chamber is in the Capitol Dome, which, by the way, if you go to the Library of Congress website and you look it up, you're going to find out that the Capitol building is literally a resurrected pagan temple to ISIS. Okay, now they don't Hmm. use the term ISIS, but they call it a temple. They call it the Temple of Liberty. Now, Liberty is another name for the goddess. Uh, We do a whole breakdown on the goddess of liberty in the film, and we show how the Statue of Liberty was not even called the Statue of Liberty up until the late 1800s, early 1900s. It was called the Goddess of Liberty. Ah, so interesting. So we've seen a shift of rationalism. We've literally shifted into rationalism, and we've tried to Christianize things in, in this country, when in fact our nation's history is so rich with occultist, Egyptian, Masonic history. I mean, it's unbelievable. But so is the Statue of Liberty a representation of ISIS? It depends on which historian you talk to. Some people are going to say ISIS, but generally we're dealing with what we would call the infernal female archetype, the goddess, which many names in different parts of the world, but it's always what they would call the supreme deity goddess. So you've got ISIS, you know, some would refer to her as Sybil. Hectate, I believe, is another one. Gaia. Uh, Gaia. I mean, there, Athena. There's a lot of names that get thrown around depending on which branch of uh, you know historians you're hanging out with. But absolutely, we show that they're all the same. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to blow some minds right now. This is a, probably a very controversial statement. But if you go and visit the Vatican, a lot of people like to go and look at the museums and the statues and all of that. What you're going to find out is that in one building, you're going to see a statue of what they call Mary and Jesus. But then you go to the building to the side of that, and you're going to see a statue identical, but they don't call it Mary and Jesus. They actually call it Isis and child. Isis and child. What we find out is that that wound up with Catholic history when they iconized the pagan gods and goddesses and gave them Christian names uh, back under the rule of Constantine. So you have Osiris from Egypt, and then you have Apollo from the Greeks. The Bible talks about Apollyon, this angel from the bottomless pit. And we break it down in the film, and uh, we can go into more detail, if you like, about the different world kingdoms that are prophesied in the Bible. But the book of Revelation talks about this angel from the bottomless pit. Now, how that ritual lines up with this and the, the connection that we make? We don't necessarily believe that it's going to be at the inauguration of U.S. president that it's just going to start working. There are certain things that God's put in place, certain barriers, and there's a restrainer that Paul talks about in Second Thessalonians. And up until that point that the restrainer is moved, things are, are kept in order. But once that restrainer is moved out of the way, then Antichrist is going to be revealed. There's going to be um, a great falling away, and the abomination of desolation is going to, is going to follow. So we're looking at it in terms of Scripture because, you know, we are biblically based here in our worldview. And there is going to be a world king, and we also go into that in the film with a friend of ours that went to a U.N. meeting as an independent from the World Federalist, and they gave him a book saying that, you know, we need to have a world king. And so all of this is all lining up. And so when that world king comes on the scene, there's going to be a world leader, and he's, the Bible says he's going to suffer a deadly head wound, and then... He's going to be inhabited, literally inhabited by the spirit of Satan, and it's going to be a counterfeit Christ and in place of Christ. And he's, yeah, it's going to be a, the counterfeit, the ultimate counterfeit of Christ trying to resurrect. And so at a certain point, God's going to allow that to happen. We believe that when the strainers taken out of the way, then that would allow this ritual to take place and to succeed. 
So it's going to take place on American soil, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the Antichrist will be in the form of a U.S. president, or will it? Um, when you get down to it, we find out that it's not just presidents that will lie in state at the Capitol Dome. So it's possible that it could be another person, another world leader. We tend to believe that it will be an American president based on the language that we find out as we study some of these rituals and, and, and the history of that. Our motto in America is E Pluribus Unum, one out of many. It carries an idea of a melting pot, Richard, where people from all over the world, various religions and creeds and backgrounds and skin colors, that we're all going to come together in this new world. That is what E Pluribus Unum means. We are one nation made out of every other nation on earth. We're a melting pot. Now, this is important to note as well because that lines up with Scripture. There are so many Scriptures in Revelation that line up. I mean, America, the name America is not in the Bible, obviously. But when you start comparing things, there is no other country on earth. You know, we've been told that, well, it's going to be Jerusalem or it's going to be Rome and Vatican. I mean, people can sit here and speculate. But if you go down and do the checklist that we do in in the final chapter of our film— there is no other nation that checks off all of these boxes. And so I believe right. that the president of America at that time will be, in fact, the person that is raising up to do this. And I do believe that he will have ties, major ties to the Freemasons, but not just the Freemasons, Bohemian Grove, you know, ties to possibly theosophy, Ordo Templi Orientis. I mean, there are so many secret societies that come together and meet annually at the Bohemian Grove. So there's really no telling, but we know that Bohemian Grove brings foreign leaders as well as domestic. Mm -hmm. Right, because if memory serves, the Antichrist, he's going to deceive. He's the great deceiver. He's going to deceive Christians into believing that he is the second coming of Christ. He's going to deceive Jews that he is the Messiah, their long-awaited Messiah. He's going to deceive Muslims that he is the, is it the 12th Imam? He's going to have to convince all of these world religions that he is their long-awaited messiah in in various forms. And I don't know, how is a U.S. president going to manage to do that? It could be anybody from across the world, but we do know that it has to be somebody with some political power that's going to be running things. When I look at this, this is going to be some supernaturalism that is unprecedented definitely in our lives, but even in and throughout history of the world. And when you have somebody who literally comes back to life after receiving a deadly head wound, and then further on, you find out that he's able to, you know, call down fire from heaven and do these super, just just crazy things, as we would see in like a sci-fi movie, the world has never seen anything like that. And so when that happens, he's going to come through, he's going to be talking peace, he's going to have you know, this, um, he's going to have, he's going to have knowledge far beyond anything that we could muster up. And because he's literally inhabited by, you know, Satan, the spirit of Satan. Um, so when you have that type of event, that type of, you know, supernaturalism taking place, I think that personally, I think that the majority of the world, they, they're walking by sight and not by faith. And so this is going to be that sign for this generation um, and I mean, look at look at the way this generation's going. They're going to be they're they're looking they're they're in dire need of a savior. Um, since they rejected Christ, they're going to be accepting somebody that comes in their own name. 
So let's take a few moments and talk about this entrance to the secret crypt in D.C. I think we started down that road and I probably sidetracked you, but uh, this is something that Thomas Horn had discovered and told you about. Did we, I don't think we pursued that fully, did we, uh, Justin? We did not. Uh, so basically okay. what we have here is we have the Temple of Liberty, which is the Capitol Dome, uh, also known as the Womb of Isis. And it, the way that they've got it set up, it, it's set up in, la- in different layers, and the equivalent of the basement, if you will, the basement level uh, would be where you're going to find this ritual chamber. And it's not easily accessible. We were able to get some footage. Uh, it's under lock and key now, Richard. Uh, matter of fact, there was a young lady that worked for uh, a politician in D.C. or one of the, one of the state representatives. Uh, she was able to get in there and get some footage, uh, not realizing what she was looking at. And so we were able to get footage. They've got it locked up right now. There's pentagrams on the floor down there. Uh, but what's fascinating about it is it used to be on display early on. Like they, they still had the pictures of it from the Library of Congress, which we show in the film. Uh, but it's never had a body lay there. That's important to note. Uh, Walt Whitman, the, the famous American poet, he's on record saying that uh, Washington was becoming the Osiris. Now, Washington never became the Osiris. He was a type. They knew this. They absolutely knew for a fact that he was not going to be the fulfillment of the Novus Ordo Secorum, or the New World Order, if you will. They knew that he was just a type. He was the first American Osiris, but not the final. So when they built this crypt, they never had any plan on putting him in there. There was already a lot of controversy uh, about where he was going to get buried. So they built this crypt. It's beneath the 13 statues in the statutory hall. And 13, by the way, uh, again, we're dealing with the 13 uh, pieces of Osiris put back together and also the 13, uh, the, the original 13 colonies of America that were brought together in a more perfect union. That was all by design based on the old myths and legends of Egypt. And so what we find is that you got this body that's going to lay down on the ground level. Above that, you've got the 13 statues, and there's symbolism with all these statues and placement as well, and the way that the floors are set up. But then you get up to the next level up, and you're dealing with the womb of Isis, literally, uh, with the apotheosis of George Washington. Then if you look up into that underbelly, you're going to see that there's a massive circle of 72 pentagrams surrounding the apotheosis. And inside of that, you see George Washington becoming the Osiris. He's literally becoming a god, and he's surrounded by pagan gods and goddesses of the old world. This is what you see when you go into the Capitol building. If you just look up there, anybody can Google this, the apotheosis of George Washington, and that literally translates to the deification of George Washington. Washington becoming a god, entering into the underworld where Osiris is. And so, all of these things, we break down the numerology, uh, we're dealing with Kabbalah, ancient Hebrew mysticism, uh, all this numerology has been inculcated into the design of this grand pagan temple known as the Capitol Building. There has never been a ritual chamber built to this level, Richard. Not to mention, we're dealing with the largest obelisk of its kind in the entire world. We're right, dealing with a right. pentagram layout on the streets. Every, I mean, everything that's going on in Washington, D.C. is unbelievably occult. There has never been a chessboard for an occult ritual of a master scale than Washington, D.C., Richard. Uh, so this crypt, 
uh, you say it's connected to the underworld. Are, are you talking about sort of metaphorically or energetically or, I mean, literally, if you were to get into this crypt, it'll take you, what, deep down into the bowels of the earth? Uh, when I say uh, it's, a, it's a metaphoric connection to the underworld, uh, where they believe Osiris uh, reigns right now, basically. So uh, if you just look at it, and you'll see the video, uh, when we show the video, it's, it's locked up, the way they've got this set up, this crypt set up. It's basically, um, all you can do is look in and see that there's, there's pentagrams on the floor. You really, there, there's no explanation, there's no plaque on the wall, it's not even open to the public. They've closed this part of the Capitol building down. They don't want you to even get near it. So we had to outsource the footage uh, from a girl that worked for the congressman. But, yeah, it's a crypt. They believe it's connected to the underworld, but it's not like an actual entrance down into the hollow earth or anything like that, as far as I know. But then again, I've never mm-hmm. I've never had full access to it. Uh, again, approaching me, a, a break just, here. Yeah, go, yes, go ahead. Wes, the, did you want to add something? The bit of evidence is that it's directly linked up with the 72 pentagrams and the 13th statutory hall uh, collection. I mean, they're, they're, the, the, the numerology is just impeccable of where this chamber resides. Right, right. Um, we're approaching the uh, the break here, but I just I wanted to start the conversation about the connection of the deep state to all of this Luciferian worship, etc. Um, let, let's begin that conversation because I, I think it's Colonel, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Colonel Robert McGinnis, who's been on the program a number of times, who talks about the different layers of the deep state and how they are. Uh, sort of aiding and abetting and propping up this Luciferian system. Who wants to who wants to jump in on that one? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start on that, Richard. <clears throat> yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Gis, uh does a, an excellent job of breaking it down. Um, in, in summation, he breaks down three different levels of the deep state. And so you have the first level, which is in Washington, that's the bureaucracy and the legislative um, arm of things, and that's where the policy gets set and, you know, uh, ultimately gets spread out on the world stage. But you also have the second level, which influences the first level. And the second level are your foreign governments, your think tanks, but also your secret societies, and also your your very, you know, rich, elite, um, deep-pocketed individuals such as, you know, George Soros and uh, different people like that, that that are funding terrorism. And, I mean, we see that, you know, just slip on the TV. Um, but that's the second level that is influencing the first level. And then the third level is the spirit realm. And that's um, actually tapping into the other side to be able to get power uh, through rituals and to, to get direction to influence the second level, which influences the first level, which spreads out this ideology on the world stage. Uh, which is interesting because uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, McGinnis also, I think, referred to Washington, D.C. as the, the most evil place on the planet. But there are many sort of uh, pagan uh, worshipping type groups that seem to be headquartered in Washington. Is there not also a sort of a, uh, a notorious witch's coven that's located in Washington, D.C.? There absolutely is. McGinnis points out in the film that it's got a massive witchcraft community. But we need to also investigate the fact, and this is a little extra. We didn't put a lot of this in the film. We mentioned it. But D.C. was this very special city, Richard. It was chosen in advance. Uh, matter of fact, the land of D.C. before it was called D.C. 
which, by the way, D.C. stands for District of Columbia. Columbia, the name of the goddess that is worshipped and elevated in D.C. Columbia is another name for the goddess of liberty, by the way. I've got to jump in because we have to take a break, but we'll pick up on that on the other side. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Wes and Justin Fall, my guests, and their new documentary is Belly of the Beast. This is the director's cut. Before we proceed, gentlemen, how do we uh, screen this uh, documentary? How do we see it? If you head over to fourthwatchfilms.com, all spelled out, fourthwatchfilms.com. Uh, you can go there. We've got DVDs available. Uh, some people want to stream it immediately, and they can stream it in high definition. Uh, right there from our page, there's a link to watch it instantly or to buy the DVD. FourthWatchFilms.com. Now, we were talking about the occultic groups located in Washington, D.C., and you were telling us about some practicing uh, witches and so forth, a very large group of uh, witches in Washington. Do you want to continue with that? Yeah, I, I wanted to make the point that D.C., uh, it's one of those places that was uh, very pertinent to the occult world, even before it was set up as D.C. formally. Uh, before they called it D.C., it was owned by a guy named Pope. And he owned he actually owned uh, quite a bit of land, and uh, ironically, his name was Pope, and it's the city on seven hills. Uh, most people don't know that D.C. sits on seven hills, and the name of the land before it was D.C. was Rome, Maryland. So these are some just some fun facts uh, showing even more connections to Rome and the revived Roman Empire. But what's fancy about all this is that there is another purpose why people are drawn to D.C. in the occult, because they are seeking a place to do their rituals beneath the light of the dog star. This is one of those things a lot of people don't talk about, uh, but different times of the year, it's almost like D.C. has a second moon, and it's called Sirius, the dog star. And Sirius has ties back to the mythologies of Osiris and Isis as well. But where the light raises up in that star, where it shines down on D.C., the street layout, it is all literally set up for rituals dating back to ancient Egypt. So when people move to D.C., there's a lot of people who will tell you that they feel the presence of evil in D.C., I mean, Robert McGinnis, uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Robert McGinnis specifically says that he feels the principalities over the city when he's there. Uh, again, he said it's one of the wickedest places on earth. And he says that it tends to draw people in from all over the world that are part of the occult. Hmm. Um, do, do we know about any, uh, I don't know, human sacrifices perhaps happening in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I want to be careful not to speculate. I'm I'm very much, uh, I believe that it's easy to share opinions and ideas um, and people can take those and run with them uh, off the deep end. 
I absolutely believe there's human sacrifices going on in D.C. There's no doubt about it. Matter of fact, there's actually an underworld in D.C. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but the city is over hollow earth. They've got steamworks uh, throughout the city. Uh, you'll see these big holes with steam coming up out of the ground. Uh, there's definitely a physical underworld that people don't see uh, underneath D.C. I definitely believe that the cabal is doing human sacrifice in D.C., and it's linked up with the upper echelon of uh, the social world and the political world in D.C. So, yeah, absolutely. I believe there's human sacrifice going on there. Uh, I would even say that there's reason to believe that there's some human sacrifice going on, even possibly. Uh, probably shouldn't say that, actually. I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I, I don't know what, what, what can be said and what can't be okay. said on the radio. Again. Fair enough. Well, I think we've I think we've yeah, we've gone far enough in that in that direction. But let me. Let me move uh, west, if we can, because you mentioned that that uh, one of the the tentacles of the deep state has to do with the uh, you know the the powerful and the elite, the movers and shakers, and um, they gather in a place called Bohemian Grove in uh, in California. Uh, this I think it's something like twenty seven hundred acres. This this uh, this playground where. Um, well, tell me about Bohemian Grove, if you could. Sure. Um, we first found out about this. I'm sure most of your listeners are uh, familiar with Alex Jones' film, Dark Secrets Inside Bohemian Grove. And that was our first uh, introduction to this this place. And what we found from that video footage, as well as doing more research on our own, is that you basically have what's just, I mean, what the Bible describes as a high holy place in the Old Testament. Um, that's what's taking place in the grove um, in the Redwood Forest in, uh, in, in California. And the, the reason we included it in the film is because, uh, well, like you were given reference to, that the deep state does operate that third, that third level of the deep state dives into the spirit realm. And so when you look at Bohemian Grove, that's where basically all the walls come down between the secret societies. So um, they meet out there, and it's uh, it's both Republican, Democrat, it's media moguls, it's you name it. It's the elites of the world, the movers and the shakers, and they get they get them to to come out there uh, once a year, and it's in the summertime. I believe it's either um, it's either yeah June or July, um, and they they go out there and there's this big stone owl, and they do. It's hard to say whether it's a, a mock sacrifice, a mock human sacrifice, or if it's real. Uh, we tend to believe that it's a real human sacrifice uh, just for the fact that if, if you're getting the, the, the movers and shakers of the world to come out and commune together and, and participate in this ritual, then, you know, why would it be fake? Um, but outside of that, um, it also ties into just looking at the occult in itself. Um, blood is required for high-level sorcery. And so it would just make sense that that would be the case. So we're, we're looking at past presidents. Uh, we, we document it very well with, with images and with um, we were able to get some, some photographs from early 1900s and, and then moving forward into some of their annuals and things like that. And you're looking at, um, you're looking at past presidents, um, both sides of the, of the spectrum, right or the left. And they're all, I mean, when you get out there, it's, it's, it's camaraderie. It's they're all out there for a unified purpose, and that purpose is to cast out care. So it's like you you go out there and you make this sacrifice, and that allows them to to, to be. It allows them to to appease the gods that they're they're trying to to seek, 
and to get power and to gain direction as far as what's going to take place throughout the, the year on the world scene. And so that's why we look at Bohemian Grove. I want to make so these would be some. Statement. Sorry, these these would be some of the same characters I that I suppose that show up at a Bilderberg meeting. But this is kind of like mm-hmm. summer camp for the uh, what the Illuminati. Is that the idea? Uh, I would say it's a summer camp for the highest level occultist uh, movers and shakers uh, on the global scene. But it's not just a summer camp. It is a summer camp, but it's so much more because they've got uh, a whole list of uh, preparatory rituals that take place. Uh, lots of decadence, lots of weird, uh, weird mixtures of behavior out there. Uh, that, that, that's probably a, a, a PG version. But we find that there are a lot of rituals that take place from the time they, they get out there and get things set up. But it's a massive ritual that literally they believe it's kind of appeasing the God, of, you know, their God, for the next year. It's a ritual where they, they want to pass the blood to the God, you know, the God that they're calling on, so that they get preparations and provisions for the next year to come. But you are right, though. The, the Bilderberg would fall underneath the second level of the deep state, and then Bohemian Grove would fall more underneath the third level, if you, if you ask our opinion on that. Right. But I want to clear In something the, up. Yeah, go ahead. We need to make sure we, we clear this up. A lot of people have been falsely told that the, the owl out there is called Moloch. Uh, you know, Moloch is a, is a god from the, it's a Canaanite deity from the Old Testament where they would sacrifice their children to. Matter of fact, the Lord, you know, the Lord told people, don't do that. He, he, he told them, you're not supposed to let your kids pass through the fire. It's interesting because they're passing their sacrifice through the fire, just like the Canaanites did in the Old Testament. But we don't believe it's Moloch. We actually believe that the owl, the, the owl, we showed this in the film, but the owl is actually connected to the witchcraft goddess Hectate, and also Semiramis. Now, ironically, there's a very large crowd of historians that say that our Statue of Liberty is actually Semiramis, the wife of Nimrod, Queen of Babylon. Now, what's crazy about that is that if our Statue of Liberty is, in fact, Semiramis, and they're doing a sacrifice in Bohemian Grove to her little sidekicks, which would be the owl, there's a bigger connection here than we might really think. Hmm. Fascinating. There's a scene in Belly of the Beast where Alex Jones confronts David Gergen. People may have seen David Gergen as a commentator on CNN and various news programs, and he was a former advisor, I believe, to something like four presidents, both Republican and Democrat, including Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, and Bill Clinton. And Gergen, in a, I guess it was in a New York Times article, had stated that he had attended bohemian grove on a number of occasions but he he quote didn't run around in the woods naked and drunk or something to that extent uh, just to briefly uh ex- explain that exchange between jones and gergen if you could it's fascinating because uh david gergen was a uh, very friendly and very cordial until he realized that alex jones was exposing him uh, <laughs> and uh, regardless of what people think of alex jones Uh, It's very telling to watch this interview. Most people aren't even familiar with this interview because it's so old. But it validates the fact that our leading politicians are going out to to this place, Bohemian Grove, and it absolutely validates the fact that they're doing a large-scale satanic ritual. Because when he asked him about the ritual, David Gergen gets absolutely just infuriated. I mean, he comes back and says, it is none of your damn business. 
that's his response about the ritual. <laughs> and so, I mean, when you watch the interview, it's crazy because it's taking a guy who was all over the news. He's all over CNN and Fox at, at different times. Uh, like you said, he's been an advisor to Republicans and Democratic presidents. And yet he is a major player and he goes out there and he clearly knows about the ritual and his whole demeanor changes. And, and he then turns around and tells Alex Jones that this was ungentlemanly for him to have crashed the party. And I'm sitting back thinking, ungentlemanly, you guys are out there doing, you know, human sacrifices and, and running around naked in the woods. <laughs> well, David Gergen wasn't running around naked in the woods, according to his story. But it's important that we put that in there because it shows somebody who is in their circles, who is a somebody, a career politician, and he completely validates what's going on out there, even though he didn't want to. All right, we've got to take a time out. We'll come back and continue with uh, Justin and Westfall, the Fall Brothers, Belly of the Beast, Director's Cut, right here on The Conspiracy Show. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. And uh, before we proceed, gentlemen, again, let people know how they can screen a Belly of the Beast, the director's cut. Yeah, head over to fourthwatchfilms.com. Let me spell that out in case anyone uh, can't understand me. It's F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-F-I-L-M-S.com, fourthwatchfilms.com. Right there, you're going to have access to the DVDs or if you want to stream it. Uh, you can stream it. There's a link right there at the top of the website, and everything is, is pretty clear to, to operate over there. All right. Uh, just a, 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 a couple of final points on Bohemian Grove and the Bohemian Grove Club, and then uh, I, I want to touch on the World Federalist Society. You both mentioned that, I think, earlier. Uh, is the Bohemian Grove where future presidents – um, I guess, are interviewed, or, or is that the Bilderberg Club? I mean, do you have to get the imprimatur of the Bohemian Club in order to basically become president? Uh, as far as I know, I believe it's the it's from the Bilderberg side of things that, that kind of makes that decision and taps people. And the Bohemian Grove would kind of be like where you get people to, to join your club, you know, to make sure that I mean, if you do a, a high-level ritual with somebody, you participate in that. It's kind of like you're, you know, you've already signed up in, in blood, more or less. So I think it's um, the Bilderbergers would be the, the actual tapping, but then um, Bohemian Grove could possibly be uh, looked at like a, you know, initiation, if you would. And if I could add to right. that as well, Bohemian Grove is one of those places where, and, and Robert McGinnis, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, you know, he, he even confirmed that he is he's fully convinced that policy gets set in there. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, the elite will tell you doesn't happen. The elite are very quick to say that they do not set policy in there because they've been busted. You know, they've been busted time and time again. Matter of fact, Colin Powell even uh, talked about, uh, you know, and mainstream media picked this up. Colin Powell talked about some of the things that were happening inside the Grove, uh, that there was going to be certain people rising up against Donald Trump. Um uh, just kind of an interesting, you know, an interesting tidbit to see that we have evidence that they do set policy in there. But when you go to Bohemian Grove, you're literally that's where they're they're doing the rituals to ignite literally what's going to take place over the next year. 
So they talk about these things in Bilderberg. Uh, I believe that they do the rituals to get empowered, kind of like when a team goes into the dugout. You know, the, the, the Bohemian Grove is like their occult dugout where they go to get kind of, you know, they get their game plans together and then they, they seal it with a magic ritual. And I also want to say that there's some pretty disturbing images that we show in the film that have never before been seen in the conspiracy community. West stumbled into a back door. Oh, wow, I don't know if I should even say this, but West stumbled into a back door at the Berkeley uh, College website. Somehow he stumbled into this old HTML-looking like backdoor page. He downloaded all these uh, film negatives from Bohemian Grove that we'd never seen before. I mean, we're talking about actual real bodies. Like these are these are not effigy. We have, uh, I mean, real bodies on altars and hanging from trees and being burned at the stake out there at Bohemian Grove. Sick. So I do when you say a backdoor at Berkeley, you mean the university? You mean Berkeley, California, the university? That's right. Somehow he fell into some weird back door on the website. He was just searching around and he found all these hyperlinks uh, in a private HTML page, old school HTML, and he just started downloading these film scans. Uh, yeah. It was crazy. And a lot of them, I mean, a lot of your viewers have, are probably familiar with, with some of those pictures in there, um, but we were able to get them at the highest quality uh, that I've ever seen, um, as well as just a, a plethora. I mean, it took it took days to go through them all and to decide on which ones we're going to use in the film. They're very graphic. We've had some people come back and say that, that some of them were a little a little more graphic than they wanted to see. But it's important that people see the reality of what we're dealing with here. And and what do you think these photographs show? Uh, human sacrifice victims at Bohemian Grove? Absolutely. Uh, I'm just going to say this, and I, and I hate saying this, but... Uh, in that time period, anybody who studies history, if you go back to the early 1900s, when you see a when you see a person of a different race out there, when you see a bunch of elite white guys out there, and then you see a black body laying on an altar, you know for a fact what's going on. That in 1900, 1906, 1907, uh, they were not playing nice out there. With people and how like were you race. able to authenticate this and and and? verify that the photo was taken at Bohemian Grove. The photos actually line up with a lot of the other photos that we have. The popular photos, uh, they're taken in the same places. They're just different photos. Well, it was also, it was a collection, and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, we do we do give them, you know, credit and everything um, and use the, the pictures via fair use. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a particular collection that was taken um, at Bohemian Grove and and that was uh, verified by the, the Berkeley website. We're going to break here in a second, but I just want to ask you, because, you know, we, doing the show tonight, we've had some technical issues, and it, they probably are just technical issues. But during the film, uh, you had some some audio issues, and, and, and you think you were being kind of jammed, I guess. Um, do you guys ever worry that maybe you're, you're poking around into things you shouldn't be and – are you in danger at all? You know, we definitely, there was a lot of, a lot of things that happened during this project. Um, you know, we're at a point where, you know, we, we believe that these things are vital for people to understand. Uh, this is Bible prophecy being fulfilled, and you will never hear this taught in church. Um, and so it's vital that people understand what's happening. So we're willing to put ourselves out there. I, I, you know, I know where I'm going to go when I die, Richard. I'm not worried about it. You know, if somebody wants to take this life, well, you know what? So be it. Um, I, the thing about what happened in D.C., 
was that once they found out, once the Masons found out that we were working with Tom Horn, and Tom Horn has a long history with the Masons in D.C., very much. He's actually ticked them off. He's 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 had some good relationships and some bad ones. Uh, but okay, I'm gonna have to jump is, in here. Just found, this is a short this is a short segment, so I'm just gonna jump in. We'll uh, we'll pick this up on the other side with uh, Justin and Westfall, Belly of the Beast, the director's cut, and the occult and pagan origins of the United States. Back with more in a moment. I'm Richard Serrett. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, we have uh, a few minutes left, 10 to be precise, with Justin and Wes Fall of Fourth Watch Films and The Belly of the Beast, the director's cut, now available. Go to fourthwatchfilms.com and you can buy the DVD or you can screen, screen it, I guess, on, uh, on Vimeo, fourthwatchfilms.com. Uh, I want to ask you about the uh, the World Federalist Society and uh, Carl Teichrib, who um, it's been years since I've had him on the program. I should have him back. Um, Canadian, I believe, up in Winnipeg. But uh, Carl was uh, a member, if I'm not mistaken, of the World Federalist Society back in the 90s. Now, was he was he there as an was he infiltrating it or did at one time did he actually believe in the goals and aspirations of the World Federalist Society? Uh, it's a tough question, um, and I I don't think I've actually asked him that. But from my take and, and just judging uh, based on our friendship, um, he is a believer, and so I would think that he's probably and just an amazing researcher, plethora of knowledge. Um, definitely recommend his book uh, Game of Gods. But um, I don't think that he was there as a participant, as far as um, going to be part of the cause. I th- I, I, he was going as an independent just for, as far as I know, for research purposes. Okay, and so tell us a little bit about the, the World Federalist Society within, I guess it's within the auspices of the United Nations and uh, what what their their goals and aspirations are and how that fits into this, you know, this Luciferian system. Sure. Well, it, it parallels with what the Bible talks about of this final world kingdom and we do believe that it's being built and revived today, um, and, the, and the, the film is pretty uh, pretty direct as far as that goes. Um, as far as the World Federalist, it's it's a group of uh, people that are they're they're globalists. They want to see a one world police system. They want to see a one world economy, um, a one world government. Um, all the things that the Bible talks about for the final world kingdom. That's basically what they're they're working on doing, and. With um, with that, that's why Carl was such a great asset to have on this because he's actually been there on the ground and heard their talks and you know taken notes and even written about it. Um, but he he comes to the tables. Um, the biggest one of that was that the the world king. That's what just pops into my mind and kind of resonates there. That they wanted to that it was necessary for the world to have a world king, a supernatural ruler. Um, and he also goes into to talk about how. They want to, well, they want to do away with Christianity. They want to have a one-world religion so that all paths lead to God, that whole, you know, e pluribus unum uh, mandate. They, they want to see this, this happen, and they're doing it, you know, through lawful means, whatever that may look like. When you see what's happening now uh, with very radical uh, groups running wild in the streets, 
tearing down uh, statues indiscriminately. Uh, they, they make no differentiation between Confederate leaders, slave owners, or even abolitionists. They've torn down statues. Uh, the Frederick Douglass, they, they tore down a statue of, of Frederick Douglass. There's just no rhyme or reason to what's going on. It's, it's chaos. How is this playing into, uh, I guess, the, the Luciferian system? Is it being orchestrated? Are these people just simply unaware? Are they useful fools? What's going on? Well, it's, uh, look, I've done a little research on this myself as far as the, the history of the social justice movement, and you can trace it back to Karl Marx's uh, Mark, the manifesto, uh, Communist Manifesto, and you have this uh, oppressed, you have two groups of people. You have the oppressors and you have the oppressed, and you can look up, um, you can look up interviews with the founders of the, the BLM movement and different things, and they say that they're trained Marxists. And so they come in with these community organizers and they teach their ideology to the masses. And that's what we're seeing, that that's the product of what we're seeing um, played out today. And unfortunately, like you said, I mean, they're, I think that they're just, I think that they're, the majority is, is ignorance because, you know, why, well, just, <laughs> just by going by what you just said, it's like it really makes no sense unless you're trying to destabilize. It's all funded by the deep state. All of these things that you're seeing right now in the news, it's all funded by the deep state. They've got to go along with the Masonic idea of order out of chaos. Uh, you create a problem, then you bring the solution. People beg you for the solution, and that's basically it's the, the Hegelian dialectic. Uh, that's what we're seeing today. They've got to get the people in a place in America where they're going to accept the new role, which is going to be a new system that is going to be brought about on the whole world scene. And this is going back to the vision of our nation's founders for the Novus Ordo Secorum. Uh, George Bush, even uh, Bush uh, W. Bush, talked about this in a post-9/11 speech. Uh, we believe that he was speaking in coded language that the uh, the events of 9/11 had nothing to do with Islam, but were actually carried out by the globalist cabal. It was a magic Aleister Crowley ritual. We break this down in the film that 9/11 was actually a Crowleyan blood sacrifice to open up the new aeon. This is, I know that sounds unbelievable, but we document this verbatim, I mean, step by step in the film. So, yeah, we do believe that all these things happening today, they're trying to bring chaos so that they can tear down the current system and set up that Novus Ordo Secorum on the world scene. So if, if the, the United States is the, the whore of Babylon uh, in, in, from the Old Testament, uh, there is a judgment coming. And sometimes God uses evil to administer justice. Um, so where is this going? Is, is, is there going to be, uh, I don't know, uh, World War III uh, being used against the whore of Babylon? What, what's going to happen? How does this thing end? It's going to be painful at first, but they're going to bring about a new system that's going to be seemingly good for people. There's going to be a reset. Uh, we believe there will be a major reset, and the new system is going to please people. It's going to literally be utilized uh, across the world, uh, different cultures. The governments are going to lay down uh, their current situation. They're going to lay down their current guide, uh, guide, uh, you know, guidelines and framework, and they're going to buy into the new system so that we have a global reset. And so, honestly, that reset has to take place for this, you know, the dawning of the age of Aquarius to be fulfilled. So that reset, people are going to love it. And so that's why we have to warn people now, 
you got to be careful with these days that are coming upon the face of the earth. The Bible is very clear. It's the only book in history that documents these things verbatim the way that they're happening. So we need to be prepared for the days that are coming and not get sucked into the reset and have rose-colored glasses on. We have to be aware of the times. We need to be aware of their secret magic rituals that all make sense uh, when looked at through the right lens. That's why we do what we do. We want people to realize what's coming on the face of the earth, and we want to help people get prepared for those days by understanding the schemes of the devil. So uh, in the end times, there is the mark of the beast. What what do you see that as as being? Uh, is it this new vaccination passport they're talking about? In other words, you don't get to go into work. You don't get to go on a plane. You don't get to go into, let's say, a conference or uh, anywhere where social distancing is difficult unless you have a passport demonstrating you've been vaccinated. Is Is that potentially the mark of the beast? I think they're all kind of holding hands together, but we do know that um, it's, you're going to have to have it to be able to participate in society, um, like you were like you were saying in those kind of uh, scenarios. And we do see that the just personal thoughts. There's there's probably going to be a, an implosion of the dollar, so that there has to be a one world currency, so that you'll be able to have this mark um, that'll allow you to participate in society, but also to be able to to buy and sell. <clears throat> um, we also believe that with the, I'm trying to condense this as much as possible, we also believe that it's going to actually, for the people that accept it, that it's going to affect their DNA to change them. And this ties into the transhumanism idea of becoming post-human. And with the mark of the beast, um, we believe that it's going to actually make you to, to a point where you're, you're no longer uh, able to, to receive salvation. You're, because salvation was given to man, to mankind, but if you're no longer total, you know, 100% human, you're actually something else, then that would be, you're making that choice. So it's a form of worship, but it's also, um, it, it's a, a permanent decision that you're, that the, the people will have to make. Fallen, Justin, fallen angel technology. Justin, Justin and Wes, thank you. Always a pleasure. And again, fourthwatchfilms.com to buy the DVD or screen Belly of the Beast, the director's cut. Thank you both. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. All right. Next week, Joshua P. Warren on the program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night.